0: engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once to your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, for they have become depraved. They have soon turned aside from the way I pointed out to them, making for themselves a molten calf and worshipping it, sacrificing to it, and crying out, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I see how stiff-necked this people is, continued the Lord to Moses. Let me alone, then, that my wrath may blaze up against them to consume them. Then I will make of you a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God, saying, Why, O Lord, should your wrath blaze up against your own people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, with such great power and with so strong a hand? Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and how you swore to them by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and all this land that I promised, I will give your descendants as their perpetual heritage. So the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will rise and go to my Father. I will rise. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin, cleanse me. I will rise and go to my Father. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. I will rise and go to my Father. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. I will rise and go to my Father. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, I am grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy, in appointing me to the ministry. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and arrogant, but I have been mercifully treated because I acted out of ignorance in my unbelief. Indeed, the grace of our Lord has been abundant along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these I am the foremost. But for that reason I was mercifully treated, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all His patience, as an example for those who would come to believe in Him for everlasting life. To the King of Ages, incorruptible, invisible, the only God, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The Word of the Lord. To God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ and entrusting to us. The message of reconciliation. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying... This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. "'Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers.' So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son.' But his father ordered his servants quickly, Bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field. And on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back, safe and sound. He became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, on this anniversary of the tragic events of 9-11, we remember... What happened, we remember the victims, and we recommit ourselves to defending freedom and life and America. This candle, which is a 9 11 memorial candle, we have been using at Priests for Life ever since the first anniversary of that day. Our headquarters was right there in New York City, not far from where the Twin Towers stood. So we will light this at the end of the uh, of the homily as we go into the uh, general intercessions. And so appropriate are the readings of today to help us think about the meaning of this anniversary. The son who sinned and then returned was given a ring for his finger, a fine robe, sandals on his feet, and was given a festive meal. That's us. That's what Christ Jesus does to us. These are symbols of the new status He gives us. The new robe, He clothes us in righteousness. He makes us His sons and daughters of the Father. He puts a ring on our finger. It is the sign of salvation. We have life eternal. We have a deep close relationship with God that we could never even imagine, must, much less achieve by our human strength alone. He gives it to us. We are Christians. We are endowed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He puts sandals on our feet so that we can walk, indeed run in the way of His commandments with superhuman strength. We have superhuman strength because we have the Holy Spirit working in us to help us understand the faith, articulate it, and live it, and to make the sacrifices necessary to serve God and His people, to love the way He loves us. This is not, not only is it not easy to live the Christian life, friends, it's not possible without the divine life within us that makes us sons and daughters of God. It's not possible. The Holy Spirit in us. Elevates us to a new status and makes it indeed possible. This is what our faith tells us. We have all been the prodigal son. We have all sinned. The father was catching sight of this son of his from a distance. We don't have to find the father. He's looking for us already. We just have to respond. We just have to be humble enough to say, yes, I have sinned. And we say that every day, don't we, in our prayers, and that's how we open every Mass. And He is ready to exalt us. He gives the fatted calf. He gives a festive meal. His meal symbolizing the grace He gives us every day and ultimately the food of this bread of life that we have in the Eucharist. Yes, He gives us a meal of His Word each and every day. He feeds us with the grace we need and the strength to fulfill every duty He gives us, to endure every sorrow we have to endure, to make every sacrifice we need to make in order to love and serve others. God's mercy to His people is shown throughout Scripture. His mercy to the prodigal son is shown also to the people way back at the time of Moses. God had given them the commandments through Moses, and then while he's getting these commandments, which start with, I alone am the Lord your God, the people are making a molten calf and saying that that was their God. Your people have become depraved, the Lord tells Moses. Moses goes down from the mountain and he's so angry at them, he smashes the tablets of the commandments in a symbolic gesture saying that that's what the people had already done. They had smashed the commandments. They had violated the first and foremost of those commandments. I alone am the Lord your God. And then Moses turned to Aaron, who was leading the people, and said, what kind of leadership is this? And Aaron gave him the lamest excuse in human history. He said, well, I I took the gold off the rings and threw it in a furnace and... This calf came out. This calf came out. You see, that's the opposite of repentance. That's the opposite of what the prodigal son says in this gospel. Father, I, I have sinned. Aaron's trying to make excuses for himself and the people. This calf came out. Yeah, magically, all by itself, sure. But we do that all the time. We try to make excuses for our sins. Repentance and taking... Hold of God's mercy means we acknowledge those sins and turn to the Father that he might transform us. You know, there are some verses left out of this first reading because when these readings are put together, you know, it's not necessarily continuous. There are sections of various passages. But if you look at some of the verses in between what we read, When God tells Moses he's going to destroy the people, Moses appeals to God's own self-esteem, if you will. And he says, Lord, your name is holy. It should be revered by the nations. We say that in the Our Father, right? Hallowed be thy name. Moses said, if you destroy the people, what are these Egyptians going to say? They're going to say, "This, this God brought them out into the desert only to destroy them. He did it with wicked intent. And Moses is basically saying to God, God, you don't want to have a bad reputation, do you? And we see God speaking the same way, by the way, through the prophet Ezekiel when he talks about much later in the history of God's people uh, bringing them back from exile. He says, not for your own sake do I do this, but for the sake of my great name that has been profaned among the nations, I will bring you back to your own land so that people may see what a great And merciful God, I am. That brings us to consider America. You know, our founders did not believe that you could create a perfect utopia here in this world. They knew you couldn't. They were believers in the Word of God. And the Word of God shows us how depraved and inclined to sin we all are. The founding fathers knew that. And they begged God for wisdom. As they declared their independence from tyranny and began to create a system of government in which the people could live free from tyranny, They had to make provisions in that system of government to keep tyranny at bay. And yet, because they knew of the inclination of human nature to sin, to greed, and to lust for power, that's why they created so many checks and balances in our American constitution, in our system of government. By the way, we're the only country in the world today living and operating under its original constitution. Did you know that? Shows the wisdom and the strength of this Constitution to lead us through so many things. We know that we sin and our leaders sin. How do we keep our country from slipping back into tyranny? Well, this is why there are checks and balances, this is why a president can veto an act of Congress and Congress can override a veto and the Supreme Court can say that a law or a presidential action are contrary to the Constitution and both the President and the Senate can and are responsible for putting the people on the court in the first place and back and forth it goes, all these different checks and balances. Because the founders were quite aware that in the midst of it all, There was going to be a human sin and a propensity to tyranny. Brothers and sisters, we have the greatest system of self-governance and the greatest beacon of freedom in the history of the world. This freedom is based on the understanding that no human being is the source of our rights. Again, here the founders got it right. And by the way, there is no improving on this. This is as good as it gets when you have founding documents like we have that say that our rights come from God, that government exists to secure those rights, and that those who govern do so only with the consent of the governed. It doesn't get better than that. This is freedom. When God alone is the source of our rights and the judge of our way of life, then nobody can oppress anybody else. This is freedom based on faith. This is why we are patriots. We, this is Patriot Day. We are patriots because we reaffirm those very convictions that our founders put in our founding documents, and according to which we've been living almost 250 years. In 2026, we'll celebrate the 250th anniversary of our nation. We've got to get ready for that. And brothers and sisters, therefore, we have the duty to remember. Why was our country attacked on 9-11? Because there are people in the world. There were people then, there are still people now who hate freedom, who are still devoted to tyranny who hate our faith, who hate our values, who hate America, who are extremists, radical Islamic terrorists. They existed then. They exist now. They have to be recognized. They have to be known. And they have to be stopped. You don't negotiate with terrorists. You don't agree to disagree with those who have no regard for freedom no regard for the value of human life. We will see the images today of the towers being attacked and falling, the Pentagon being attacked, and of course, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the flight that crashed there. We remember all of these people in all of these locations where the September 11th events unfolded that morning I saw the smoke coming from the towers before we even knew exactly what was happening because our Priest for Life headquarters was right there in New York City facing the direction of the towers but you think about you see those images and you ask the question well what was what what was the evil of that day and it wasn't only that buildings fell and lives were lost because you could think of an earthquake a tsunami you know there are various natural disasters by which buildings fall and lives are lost and those are tragedies and those two are, are are instances that call for our remembrance our compassion our help our, our sympathies and, and 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 our solidarity with the victims and the families who lost loved ones yes loss of life loss of of, of property but the concrete evil, the, 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 the foundational evil that was carried out on September 11th was the lack of regard for the lives of other people. The lack of regard for the sanctity of human life. And whether, no matter what your instrument is by which you kill human life, whether it's an airplane, a knife, a bomb, a car, a gun, the forceps of an abortionist, whatever the instrument is by which you destroy an innocent human life, it is that willingness to do so that constitutes the evil. That willingness to do so. And what we also have to stand up for today is the proper meaning of religion. Because those who are doing, those who carried out 21 years ago today, this vile act, were invoking God, as they understood Him to be, invoking God to end human life. that Whatever God you think you're invoking when you do that, that is not God. Talk about taking the Lord's name in vain a devotion to God, as our founders knew, meant you can only have one attitude towards human life, and that is utter reverence and respect. That's why they were so angry at King George. You read the Declaration of Independence, most of it is a litany of grievances. Yes, we have the the, the profound words about the self-evident truths life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, but most of that document is grievances about how that king disregarded human life. And this is the heart of the evil that persists in our midst. Beyond the events of 9-11, that persists in our midst every day in whatever form it raises its ugly head. But God help especially those who revoke religion when doing this kind of thing. And that's why we can't f- hesitate to name the evil when we talk about terrorism that, th- that happened on 9-11. It was radical Islamic terrorism. Those people who took control of those planes, they were invoking their god. Talk about an abuse of religion. Never has there been a worse r- abuse of religion but it continues and it has many forms throughout history you know there are some abortionists who invoke their faith to justify killing those human lives again whether the victim is five feet tall or five inches tall whether the instrument is an airplane or surgical forceps the evil is the evil when you have disregard for innocent human life and you're willing to take it that's the evil that must be stopped that's the conversion of the heart that we must long for that's the mercy God needs to extend as we saw in these readings today whether it's God deciding not to wipe out his people who sinned at the time of Moses whether it's the father running towards the prodigal son as that son repents We've got to ask God to pour out on the world the gift of repentance. The gift of repentance helps one understand that thinking it's okay to end a human life is a profound, profound sin, profound wrong. And the repentance consists in recognizing, Lord, this is a reflection of you. This life is a reflection of you. If I attack this life, I'm attacking you. What an irony, right? That those flying those planes into the towers and into the Pentagon and wherever they were trying to fly the plane that crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, while invoking God, were doing exactly, exactly what offends God. While invoking God, they were attacking God. You attack a human life, you're attacking Almighty God. There is no religion that pleases any God when it destroys the human lives that were made in God's image. There is none. So today is Patriot Day. We are rooted in this word that we have proclaimed today. We are rooted in belief in a God who loves human life, protects it, calls us to protect it, and in fact inspires men to found governments that have as their foundational principle that our rights come from God and that governments protect those rights. Let us vow that we will defend this truth, this freedom, this form of government, this opposition to tyranny, this declaration of independence. You know, we didn't let the terrorists win. You know why? Because we didn't stop living our way of life. Again, this happened because there are people, and they still exist today, who hate our way of life. We didn't stop living it. They win only one way, not because they knock down buildings or kill thousands of people. They win only if we stop living our way of life based on freedom, based on faith, based on reverence for life. Yes, we learned a lot from 9-11, just like we learned a lot from the pandemic. These things changed our lives. They made us more aware. Certainly, we're more conscious of terrorism, and we have higher levels of security, don't we, in various aspects of life. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It makes us more aware. It makes us more cautious. But it doesn't paralyze us. That's the point. We live our lives as Americans. We live our lives as Christians. We live our lives as patriots. We live our lives as sons and daughters of God. And we are not deterred. That's the victory. The victory is that we are not deterred from living our way of life in freedom and in faith and in reverence for life. Keep doing it, brothers and sisters. Let today be a a resolve, a renewal of our commitment to do exactly that. So we commend to God as we now move into the creed and the the profession of faith and also the general intercessions. We we commend to God those brothers and sisters of ours who died on that day. And by the way, at the 9-11 memorial, which has the names inscribed at the location of the towers of all the people who died that day. There are a number of plaques that give the names of the pregnant moms. And it says her name, and then it says, and her unborn child. We remember all of these people, and we commend them now to the Lord. Lord, we light this candle, and may it symbolize your love for all the victims of this tragic series of events on september 11th and may it symbolize too our love for them and your love for us in jesus mighty name amen